I'm really excited about this series that we started this last week, and we called it Unexplainable God Encounters. And the idea of the stories that we have about these kind of unexplainable times that God connects in our life. And, and for sometimes it's the very first time where your eyes are open to him. Or, or it may be that God also moves you to a deeper, intimate understanding of who he is in his presence. And, and any time he does that, it doesn't have to be some far out thing. Anytime the grace and goodness of God touches our life, it's unexplainable, isn't it? Because you know kind of who you are. And God loves us that much. I'm excited because this series really was birthed out of hearing Ben speak. I've heard him a couple different times. And and every time I go, I've got to have Ben come here. And, And so the last time he spoke, I thought, wow, that's a cool God encounter story. And that kind of gave me the idea for let's do this series. And we're excited about, I hope you come back next week as Tani Cullen comes to share. She has an incredible story of how God has worked through an autistic child that is, um, that, that is hers. And, and then the next week, Reuben David, who shares about this vision that he had and dream that his mom had. Over, I won't go into it. Anyway, you want to be a part of it. I just want to share with you a little bit about Ben. And I'm so glad he's here. He's a local boy. He's actually born in Rochester, Minnesota. I know we have a number of Rochester people here. You can do the shout-out any time. Yeah. Played high school football in Hastings with the Hastings Raiders and led them to a, um, three state appearances and then went on to play for the U of M and was a gopher standout tight end in the early 2000s. Boy, it seems like yesterday, doesn't it? <laughs> and then went from there to a pro career where he played with the Indianapolis Colts and the Cincinnati Bengals. And with the Colts... Ben, I think, had the privilege to play with some pretty great coaches, and one of them, one of the most respected in football, was Tony Dungy. And uh, what a great opportunity. And it was with the Colts in 2007 that Ben was a part of what I think was every football player's dream. And if you just look at his hand, you'll see what I mean. He wears one of those Super Bowl rings. Um, and he got to play with the MVP, Peyton Manning. He got to take catches from him. So pretty, pretty cool. But I really remember that Super Bowl really well, Ben, because my parents were there, and they were invited by Leslie Frazier, who was one of the coaches on the team. So they were through that whole thing, and they sat through the rain. They saw the first quarter where Devin Hester was return artist, runs the ball back, and then you guys came back. And that's, you got that ring. So um, from that career, um, as a result of some concussions, um, Ben has moved into another place where God has led him in a, a love that he's always had, and that's um, performing music as well. And uh, he's performed with some of the world's best orchestras and conductors, um, the Cincinnati Pops under um, Eric Kunzel and the New York Pops under Stephen Reinke. So um, he, he's, he's actually sung um, with Sandy Patty, done some touring, has uh, four albums. Um, he didn't bring any of them, so if you want them, you have to go on the website. Just you know, All you got to do is Google Ben Utecht and... One of the most recent ones was um, a song that you co-wrote called You Will Always Be My Girls, which is a musical love letter to his wife and daughters. It's been viewed over a million times on on YouTube and and other social media, and it's really the result of his personal struggle with ongoing neurological issues after those um, five diagnosed concussions that he had. And it led him to write this as a way of that his family would always remember whether he remembers. And, um, and God's even using that in your life. And I just had a great time talking to you, Ben, about how God's moving in your life. So thank you for coming and sharing with us today. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Well, good morning, Living Church. 
How are you doing this morning? Good. Well, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, Kevin, uh, thank you for basically saying everything I was going to say, so thanks for having me. And uh, we can go out to the fellowship hall now if you want, just have donuts and coffee and talk, but no, it's great. You know, as an athlete, one of the ways I always like to start uh, a relationship with a, a new body of believers is to do something athletic. So if you can stand, would you all stand with me for just a moment, okay? If, if you can't, just put your hand up, that's okay. Now, one of the first things you'll learn about me this morning is that I'm the son of a preacher, a Methodist minister, my father, and I have always wanted to do this. You may be seated. <laughs> yes! Wow, there's a, there is a lot of power in, in, your, in your hands. You get to do that every, every week. You just get to... They're so responsive. That's fantastic. Half of you don't like me anymore and you don't want to listen to what I have to say. No, but it's a, it's a joy to be here. And uh, I'll give you just a little bit more information about uh, my past. I was born in Rochester, grew up in the little river town of Hastings, Minnesota. Played uh, three sports. I was in five choirs. Music and, and athletics was always such a big part of uh, my family environment, so I was drawn to both. Went on to play four years, uh, or excuse me, I was at uh, University of Minnesota for five years. Went on for four years uh, with the Indianapolis Colts, won a Super Bowl in 2006 against the Chicago Bears. Are there any Bears fans here today? Don't be shy. We got, I'm sorry. <laughs> Actually, I'm not that sorry because this is a really cool room. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Went on from the Indianapolis Colts uh, to play two years in Cincinnati with the Bengals. Uh, it was my, my chance to really become a, a breakout tight end in the NFL, and unfortunately, I took my fifth documented concussion in 2009, and uh, after experiencing some memory problems at 29, 30 years old, uh, and having our first daughter, it was, it was time to move on from a game that I, that I love to play, and that's, you know, really given me a platform as a speaker uh, and spokesperson for the American Academy of Neurology, which is downtown Minneapolis, most prestigious neurology group in in the world is here in this wonderful state and we're just trying to connect people emotionally to the importance of their brain and their minds and how it really is the, the miracle of who we are and and so that has really given me a platform for uh, also sharing music uh, as as uh, the pastor explained and uh, now has really given me a chance to to um, to really go do something outside of athletics uh, that I really believe can, can make an impact on people's life. Uh, that leads me to really what is the most important part of who I am as a man, and that's my family. I'm a, I'm a huge family man. We moved back to Minnesota uh, because of that. My wife's family is, is all here, and, and so is my family. I met Karin, my wife, through the Fellowship of Christian Athletes at the University of Minnesota. She was the captain of the women's golf team, and uh, can kick my butt all over the golf course. I mean, it's not even a competition. Some of my greatest lessons in humility are, are because uh, of the, the talent and skill of, of, my, of my wife. We uh, just uh, celebrated something spectacular four weeks ago. We uh, gave birth to our fourth daughter. Thank you. Pray for me, please. Um, 
you know, that's a prayer request every week. Uh, four daughters. Uh, I don't know what to do. So <laughs> I, I need your prayers and your thoughts. And it's, it's really just an, a, a magical time for me. I, I'm a Disney dad. I, there's, not a, there's not a Tom boy in the bunch. They are all Disney princess. So uh, the amount of dresses, it's overwhelming, and, you know, and, and, but it's, it's a joy. And I've learned so much about myself as a man uh, because of being a father of girls. And so it's really, uh, uh, they, they are what really propels me forward and, and uh, to, you know, to really be a great example of what it means to be a virtuous man in today's world. Now, now the reason for my appearance today is because of the unexplainable. And really, to share my story, to, to share my testimony of how the Lord brought me to a place of complete and total surrender. So you'll get a little bit of a, you'll get, you'll get story today, but you're also going to get some preaching. Hold on now. Because I am the son of a preacher. So you're going to get some preaching today. So let's begin. Please bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we just give you glory and honor, Lord Jesus. Just humbled to be uh, in, a, in a country that allows us to come together as a body of believers and, and worship you. And Lord, we just, we just ask that you would come and that you would fill this room. That you would fill this room. As Keith Green wrote, rushing wind blow through this temple, blowing out the dust within Come and breathe your breath within us. Give us life again. This morning we ask for that life. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come, that you would move, that you would help us to lay all of ourselves down so that we could hear your, your voice. And we just give you thanks for that. It's in your name we pray. Amen. What does it mean to surrender? I can't even believe that I'm using that word as an athlete. Surrender? What does it mean to surrender all that you have over to the Lord? Some of you in here will remember the name Eric Liddell or Eric Liddell. For those of you that don't, Eric Liddell was an incredible runner who performed in the, in the 30s and was one of Great Britain's greatest athletes. But what set him apart was that as an athlete, he figured out what it meant to relinquish all of his physical body over to a gift that God had given him. After the race, Little said this, the secret of my success over the 400 meters is that I run the first, hundred, I run the first 200 meters as fast as I can, then for the second 200 meters, with God's help, I run faster. And when you watched him run, if you go and find old, when you watch him run, it's as if something changes halfway through the race. His head goes back. You see his lungs explode, and somehow he goes faster. In 1945, shortly after his 43rd birthday, he found himself on his deathbed in China as a missionary. And with his last breath, he said to the nurse, it's complete surrender. It's complete 
surrender. He died knowing that he lived the life God designed for him with all of his heart. What is a paradox? What is a paradox? A paradox is a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or, or proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. I love this word because this really is the gospel. The gospel itself is this incredible paradox of Jesus. Jesus, the antithesis of the world, the opposite, teaching us more about himself in the most unique ways. Listen. Exaltation through humility. When I am weak, then I am strong. Receiving through giving. Freedom through serving. Gaining through losing, living through dying, and victory through surrender. I mean, can you imagine if at halftime of Super Bowl 41, Tony Dungy came, comes into the, to the locker room and says, Okay, guys, man, we're down and I have it. I figured it out. I know what we need to do to win this game. Give up. What? I'd be like scratching my head going, man, we've got to get a new head coach. Surrender. It doesn't make sense to us through the eyes of the world. But to Jesus, it's the essential choice of dying to self so that we can experience all that he has for us. Matthew 16, 24 through 26 is the verse that... I use in my, in my testimony that really describes this idea of surrender. And you'll remember this. This is Jesus telling his disciples what is about to happen with the crucifixion. And Peter, as you recall, can't, can't handle it. And so he begins to, to say, no, Lord, no, no, no. Uh, we're not going to let this happen. And Jesus responds, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, world. And let me explain to you what I mean. He said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Let him die to himself. Let him surrender himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? I hope I never forget February 4th of 2007. I was standing on the sideline at the Miami Dolphins Stadium. Sideways rain was already pouring into the crowd and the freshly cut grass. And two weeks prior to that, our general manager, Bill Pullian, asked Adam Vinatieri, our all-pro kicker, who had already won three Super Bowls with the New England Patriots, to explain to us the magnitude of this game. And so there I stood listening to Adam talking, and, and, and he said something that really caught my attention. He said, men at kickoff don't blink. Don't you dare blink at kickoff. So there I am on the sidelines, helmet off, Sideways rain slamming into my face. And I remembered what he said. So you better believe I was standing there. My eyes were open. It didn't matter how much rain was hitting me. I was not going to close my eyes. Adam is walking off his steps to get ready to kick off the ball. 
And the ref blew the whistle. Adam looked down to the left and to the right side of the kickoff team and he dropped his arm and he released a stampede of Colts. And he placed his foot perfectly onto that ball and it went soaring into the upper atmosphere of the stadium. And in that moment, I realized what Adam meant by don't blink. Because I have never seen so many flashing lights at the same time. 70,000 mobile phones and cameras and all at the same time. I've often liked to think that Neil Armstrong would have been jealous to be in my shoes. And then the football came out of those shining lights and into the hands of the most deadly return man in the history of the game, Devin Hester, who proceeded to run the ball from one end of the end zone all the way to the other end of the field, scoring a touchdown on the first play of the game. Are you kidding me? It went from being the greatest athletic experience of my life to the worst athletic experience of my life in one play. And I'd be lying to you if in that moment I already allowed fear to come into my heart and doubt to come into my heart. Had I had a surrendered attitude at that point? You know, it, it, it is a miracle story of how I got to that sideline and how I got to catch passes from Peyton Manning in one of the greatest games in the history of the NFL. But it's no different than the journey that each of you are on and how he is trying to teach each of you what it means to surrender. Now, for me, uh, everything, to be quite honest with you, came pretty easily for me. Uh, I, I accepted a full scholarship to the University of Minnesota when I was 16 years old. And you can imagine what that could do to a young man's psyche, to his ego. And for me, it just blew it up. And the seed of pride took root in my life. And it really is what led to the Lord using injury to teach me what it means to give all of myself over to him and to this special relationship that he wants to have with me. I went on to the University of Minnesota and that second year uh, had a breakout game against Wisconsin. And it set me on the national map as a tight end. Agents were calling me, and they were saying, "All you have to do is have, all you have to do is have a uh, is have a great year, and you can go to the NFL. You'll be a first round draft pick." All this, all this information, just I'm internalizing as an immature, young Christian adult. And pride continues to grow, and it continues to grow, and it continues to grow. Until the Lord had enough. And this is where the unexplainable begins for me. I went into my junior season. I went into my junior season as one of the top-ranked tight ends in the country. After three games, I was leading the country in receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns over all wide receivers. It was unheard of. For a tight end to be, lead, to be leading the entire country in receiving. Coach Mason was just feeding me the ball. 
And everything was working out the way that I wanted it to work out. And we headed into the Big Ten opener against Purdue. And I was called to run a corner route, which is, in layman's term, you run straight up and then you run to the corner (laughs) of the field. (laughs) And as I planted to turn to run to the corner of the field, I felt a pop in my foot. And that was it. That was the end. I broke my foot. No one touched me. It was almost like the finger of God just came down and touched the top of my foot. And and that was the end. I was put into a hard cast Monday through Friday, taken out of the cast, shot with pain medicine, and played on Saturdays for the rest of the season. As you can imagine, uh, the level of my play you know, significantly decreased. And for the first time in my life, you guys, because I was not grounded in truth and because I didn't grasp what it truly meant to surrender to the Lord, I ran from him. Anybody ever been there? I was so angry at him. How could you take this from me? How could you take my dreams and and my goals and my future success and money and glory and fame and me, 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 I, I, I? And I began really to go down a path of destruction. You see, because when we run from God, if we are not surrounded by that cloud of witnesses that Hebrews tells us to be, we often run into the arms of the world. We run into the arms of people who could care less about our spiritual caliber and we begin to make decisions that uh, has nothing to do with the Holy Spirit or His wisdom. And that's really where I was. Academically, relationally, getting involved in relationships with, uh, with women that could care less about where I was as a Christian man. But I was so blind and I was so angry. And this is when the Lord was going to step down like a bolt of lightning. And he did it in the form of a five-foot, blonde-haired, blue-eyed trainer named Melissa. Melissa was with the Gophers for one season, and she was a part of bridging relationships with players to Jesus. Three, three players, in fact. The Lord used her to, to bring into a relationship with Jesus. And I'll never forget, I was walking out of the training room, well, limping out on crutches. I had never talked to Melissa at this point. She had just came out at the beginning of the season. Uh, I never had any experience with her. Uh, and as I was walking out of the training room, I felt a tap on my shoulder, and I turned, and there was five-foot Blonde-haired, blue-eyed Melissa uh, in front of six-foot-seven, 250-pound me. <laughs> and she says, are you Ben? And I said, yeah, I, I'm Ben. And she said, well, could I talk to you for a second in the back training room? And I said, you know, awkwardly, well, yeah, okay, sure, sure. And, and, and as we turned to walk, I'm following her on my crutches into the back of this room. And I'm, I am so full of myself at this point, you guys. I honestly think... She's taking me back there to ask, ask me out on a date. 
And so as I'm crutching, I'm going, oh my gosh, Lord, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? I mean, I don't know if I, she's so short. Should I really, you know? <laughs> and I couldn't have been more wrong. Because as we entered that room and shut the door, she turned and the first thing out of her mouth was, was Ben, are you a Christian? And the fist of God came out and just sucker punched me right in the breadbasket. And I was like, oh, man. Um, yeah, uh, yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. And she said, Ben, well, I'm, I'm a Christian too. And she said, you know, I, 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 had, to, I had to ask one of the other trainers if you were you. I didn't, I didn't really know for sure um, because obviously we've never talked before. Uh, but I have to ask you another question. And I said, okay. Starting to get a little bit more nervous. And then she asked me, Ben, uh, do you believe in spiritual gifts? Whew. Now it really got quiet. Because I'm a Methodist. We don't ever talk about spiritual gifts. So it doesn't really... No. Sorry, Dad. Sorry, <laughs> Dad. You know, but I knew, I mean, I knew what spiritual gifts were. I'd, I've read Corinthians a number of times, and, and I, you know, I understood, you know, the, the list that Paul has, gives us and the explanations that he gives us. So I responded. I said, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I, I know what the spiritual gifts are, and I, I do believe in, in spiritual gifts. And then she said, well, Ben, the Lord has given me some of those spiritual gifts. And last night, a group of us were praying over some friends of ours that are going on a lifelong mission journey to Asia. And we are praying over them. And then all of a sudden, the Lord puts your name into my mind. I've never thought about you, but he puts your name into my mind. I, so much so, I couldn't get it out of my train of thought. I got up, left the prayer meeting, went into my room, got on my knees, and I just started to pray over your name. And in that moment, the Lord began to show me the darkness that's in your life. And she began to list it. She began to give me examples that nobody would know. That nobody would know. And the conviction of the Lord just filled my heart. Because when we go back to Corinthians, we learn what Paul says about prophecy. He says it does two things. It lays bare the secrets of a man's soul, and it edifies the church. And that's exactly what she was doing. Don't even worry about that. I've been dealing with it for the last month. It's like, sing it's like singing to me. So if you want to stay, you're welcome to stay. Love babies. Love them. And it, it does two things. It, it, it lays bare the secrets of a man's soul and it edifies the church. And that's what she was doing. And then she said, Ben, you know, the Lord, the Lord came and, and, and said, uh, and asked me, to, asked me to ask you this question. This, is, this was the whole point. He didn't give me any answers as to anything. He just showed me stuff that I was supposed to tell you. And then the last thing he said is, Ben, you know, Melissa, I want you to ask Ben this. And it, 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 it was, Ben, uh, there's something you're not giving me. 
Do you know what it is? There's something you're not giving me. Do you know what it is? And so she asked me, Ben, do you know what that is? Oh, man, at that point, I, it could have been anything. I, I, I was a little distraught. I was really uncomfortable. And I just said, you know, I got to go. And I, I got out of there quick, <laughs> as quick as I could, right? And I, 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 I crutched back to my, my uh, dorm room. And I got on my knees uh, and I called my dad. Uh, which is where I often go. And I called my dad. And I said, Dad, this is what just happened to me. And he gave me some great wisdom. He said, Ben, pray for confirmation. Pray that this truly was from the Lord. Because if it was from the Lord, he will respond. So I got on my knees and I just said, Lord, wow, I don't, I don't know how to, I, I, I really don't know how to feel about what just happened and how, how to make it, applicable to my life. Please, if this was you, please confirm it. And so I got onto my computer shortly after that experience and checked my email. My aunt sends me, in college, she sent me Faith Breaks, which is a weekly uh, scripture verse, and I had not checked it that week, so I clicked on it, and it was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which says, Trust in the Lord in all your ways. Lean not on your own understanding." But acknowledge him and he will direct your path straight. And like a bolt of lightning, the Holy Spirit fell on top of my head. And I have never felt him up to that point in my relationship with the Lord in that capacity. It was, it was incredible. It was, it was in, my entire body was warm. I felt electrified like, the, you know, the Holy Spirit goosebumps. You know, when you feel him and you look down and you're like, look, there he is. <laughs> That's like the Holy Spirit. He's right here. I mean, that was all over my body. And I knew in that moment, I knew what it was. I had the answer to the question. Ben, what aren't you giving me? Me. Me. How simple, yet how so incredibly profound You know, I grew up in the church and I gave my life to the Lord when I was a little kid and, you know, faith was always a part of my life, but I had never actually handed over myself, poured out myself like the drink offering that Christ poured out on the cross for us. I had never done that for him. And so for the first time, I got back on my knees And I prayed that prayer of surrender. Heavenly Father, I die to myself today. Take complete control. You have all of me now. I surrender all that I am, all that I have to you. No more trusting in my own understanding. I'm trusting your understanding. And it was like the proverbial bricks were shattered. And the weightlessness of my spirit was free. And I stood back up a different man. And my life completely changed from that moment. And that's when the Lord brought Karn into my life and gave me this incredible support system through her. You know, and began the process of going to my teammates and telling them what had happened. And, you know, there were going to be changes now and how I was going to live my life.
But then as the Lord does in, in our lives when we face these types of obstacles and we overcome, he likes to test us again, doesn't he? It's not just over. Sometimes you think it is, but, he, he, but hey, he's a head coach just like, any, just like anything, you know, any other coach in the NFL. And you keep repping. You keep going over things uh, because practice makes perfect. It's true. And so he was going to challenge me again. So here I am going into my senior year. Same rankings, uh, one of the top tight ends in the country. You know, everybody's excited again for me to have a healthy season. And over the course of the season, I began to have pain in my lower, lower abdomen, my lower abdominal <clears throat> muscles. And we were playing Wisconsin. And believe it or not, I got asked to run the exact same route that the foot injury occurred against Purdue the year before. So I run the corner route, and as I plant and turn for the ball, I feel popping from one side of my hip to the other. Pop, 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 pop. My legs began not to work, and I began to stumble on my feet as I dove and caught the ball. (laughs) I did. It was a great catch. I'm serious. (laughs) It really was. Um... I got carted off the field, but, you know. But in one, in one moment, in one route, in which nobody touched me, again, uh, I had torn uh, my abs, my lower abs on both sides. Uh, an injury that we, we really didn't even figure out until, uh, until much later uh, what it was. In fact, I went to, <clears throat> this is the second part of the unexplainable. I went to the NFL uh, draft, uh, unable to, unable to uh, perform at the combine, unable to do any of that because of my injury. And two months prior to the draft, I had a chance to speak on the University of Minnesota campus with, guess who? Tony Dungy at an Athletes in Action banquet. I was the opening act, so I got up and shared a little bit about uh, of my story, and then I got to, to bring up Tony. One of the things I did, though, in front of University of Minnesota alumni is I said, hey, coach, us alumni, we stick together, right? So I'm expecting you to draft me in the upcoming draft. If you really are a gopher, you're going to draft me in the upcoming draft. <laughs> Just really giving it to him, and obviously, you know, the crowd loved it, and... and he was gracious enough to respond to me. He got up, and, and as he is about to deliver his presentation, he, he looked down to me and he said, You know, Ben, I've watched your career. I know how talented you are. And, and uh, you know, we, we drafted a tight end in the first round last year, so tight ends aren't going to be a real priority for us this year. And then he paused as if though something was being downloaded into his mental computer. And he said, You know... I'll make a promise to you right now. This is in front of five, seven hundred people. I'll make a promise to you right now. For some reason, you slip through the cracks, which I can't imagine is going to happen, but if you slip through the cracks, I promise you I'll be the first person to call. And everybody clapped, and it was, a, you know, it was the politically right thing to do as, as a former alumni. And really, it went in one ear and out the other, because even though I had an injury... Uh, my history of playing was strong enough to where teams were still interested and there was a chance I was still going to be drafted on the first day. (laughs) 
Two months later, we enter into those two days of, of the draft, NFL draft process, and player after player gets their name called. And for two days, I sat there, really in, in what was two of the most diff, you know, difficult days, 48 hours of my life, as my name was never called. And I went from being one of the top one or two tight ends in the country to not getting drafted. And I'm in the car with my dad as we're headed up to my agent's office trying to hold back the tears because I really don't know what I'm going to do now. I mean, I got my degree, but I was so committed to making football work that that really was my identity at that point. And we get to my agent's office, and the only option left at this point is the free agency. And for those of you that might not know what that means, free agency is basically all the leftovers. All the leftover players go into a, a big pool of players, and teams will often go and recruit you know, the best of those leftovers to bring them into training camp, to, to be extra bodies, and to give the starters a chance to have a break, and it's very rare that, that, uh, that those players actually make a team and have a long career. But that was it. That was my only option. And so we're sitting there at the table. We've gone over what it means to be a part of the free agency and how that works. And seconds were counting down for that free agent market to open. All of a sudden, the bell goes off and the free agent market begins. And about 20 seconds after that bell rings, the phone on my agent's desk goes off. And he picks it up and he hands it to me. And who do you think it was? Tony Dungy. What? Are you kidding me? Tony Dungy. And again, the Holy Spirit just filled, just filled me. And I remembered what Tony said and what he, that promise that he made and it wasn't just Tony Dungy, it was Bill Pullian, the general manager. The general manager and the head coach calling a free agent doesn't happen. And not only were they calling, but they were saying this, you know, we have experience with your injury, so here's what we want to do. We know how talented you are, and we believe we can get you back there. We want you to be a cult. We're going to send you to the best doctor in the country to take, to take care of this. We want you to sit out the, the whole first year and just heal and recover and allow us to get you back to your playing ability. And on top of that, we're going to pay you as though you're a playing rookie. And here's a little signing bonus also to show that we know how talented you are. Are you kidding me? That, this doesn't happen in the NFL. The NFL is an organization that lives on what have you done for me lately? And I have done nothing for them. And the miracle of that is three years later, I had earned a starting position as a tight end on a world championship team. Complete surrender. When I went through that ab injury, I, I handled it completely differently than I did the foot. I ran to the Lord. I threw all my trust into him and I said, God, I'm not going to run from you this time. You have a plan and I'm going to trust you in it. And look what happened. 
Unexplainable. Back on that sideline, standing in between Peyton Manning on my left and Coach Dungy on my right, as Devin Hester had just scored the touchdown on the first play of the game, fear and doubt and worry and concern already creeping in, and I look up and I notice Peyton Manning is not even paying attention, giving any credence to what is happening in that Chicago Bears end zone. He's looking uh, at his play sheet with offensive coordinator Tom Moore. He's going over the plays, getting ready for the Colts to take the field. I look over and I see Coach Dungy as he's looking over his play sheet as well, and he's talking to his coaches on his, on his headphones and not even, not even giving any attention to the celebration that's occurring in the Chicago Bears end zone. And I was reminded once again in that moment of two individuals who have completely surrendered, who have completely surrendered and given everything over to someone else, to something else, fearless. I I really believe that's for all of us. Colossians 3.23 says, Do all things with all your heart as though working for the Lord and not for men. Do all things with all of your heart as though working for the Lord and not for men. And when we do that, we can trust that the unexplainable will happen in our lives. It's going to be different for every one of us. And the way the blessings come and the way the gifts come are different for all of us. For me, it happened through football and, and through, you know, big stages. And that's, but that's not how it happens for, you know, for all of us. The Lord, it's not about that. It's, it's just about trusting in Him, surrendering all we can over to Him and letting Him take control. Man, doesn't that feel good to, to think about it that way? As we close today, I'm going to share a song with you. Ask Joel and Isaac to come back up and help out. And, and it's a song really about surrender. The transforming power of God's love. And if you're someone here today who, who has yet to, or is really being faced with the question that Melissa brought to my attention, then maybe this is the morning that you can step out, step through that barrier for the first time and say, you know what, I'm going to take my relationship with you to the next level and I'm going to surrender to you. This song is called Life Song because each of our lives is a song. And as, as we sing it, think about that. Think about what it means to die to self and to step into that relationship with the Lord in complete and total surrender. But now I see 
I once was blind, but now I see. I don't know how, but when he touched me, I once was blind, but now I see. Now my life song sings, and now my life song sings, and now my life song sings. I once was dead, now I live. I once was Complete surrender. Thank you so much for having me this morning.